Hi, welcome to the Founders for Good Bite Size Edition, where every week we'll be sharing a short clip of a founder chatting about a particular problem that exists in the world and how we go about solving that problem. This week we have Amelia Molimpakis, the co-founder of Themia. When her best friend suffered depression and tried to take her own life, Amelia created Themia, combining her passion for linguistics, gaming and mental health to provide a better way for assessing someone's mental state. In this episode, Amelia explains how mental health is currently assessed, why the system is failing those who need help the most, and how Themia are offering a better way of assessing mental illness. I start by asking Amelia on whether she thinks people's mental health is generally improving or getting worse. I think it's a very interesting one. I think there's kind of like multiple pressures kind of resulting in these numbers. I think overall, probably everyone would agree that the number of people exhibiting not just depression, but other types of mental health disorders or conditions or just symptoms essentially is growing and it has been growing. I think the latest kind of metrics are that it has about a 16% compounding annual growth rate. Um, Unfortunately, COVID has actually meant that the number of people with depression has actually doubled outright, which is horrific if you think about it. But I think you're kind of seeing, we're seeing the result of A, an increased awareness of mental health. So probably there were quite a few more people in the past who had mental health issues, but were not either aware of it or being picked up on or being diagnosed properly. So there's that, which kind of means you have bigger numbers, but also just genuinely the stress of life and the all the unusual and interesting events to put it mildly that everybody's been going through not just with the pandemic but before like global warming um you know financial crises the past 10 years have been exceptional in so many ways it's bound to have an impact on people's mental health so you're kind of seeing the compounding effects of multiple stressors and yeah the the result is more and more people are experiencing mental health issues but actually unfortunately the healthcare system is not accelerating at an equal pace to be able to to tackle this. Um, It might surprise you to find out that actually psychiatrist numbers are shrinking instead of growing at this point because stress does get to them as well. And the, the job they have to do is getting worse and worse. And so actually, you know, this is making the issue even, even worse overall. No, no worries. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I guess it's it's um it's important to clarify that there isn't one particular path that all countries follow around the world or all professions follow. So that makes this a little bit more disjointed if you look at it. But say if we focus on the UK, which is probably um, what most listeners are, where most listeners are based. Um, if we say focus on mood disorders, because again, mental health is so broad, you have everything from things that affect your mood, such as depression or bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, all these different things. You have anxiety um, disorders, but you also have so many others, including neurodevelopmental ones like autism, ADHD, like things that come up while you're growing as a child, um, but also neurodegenerative disorders. So things that appear older, uh, later on in life when you're older. So Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, each of them is a little bit different in how you diagnose and how you monitor. 
I guess I'll, I'll just pick depression as one, um, because I think there's a lot of pressure there that isn't being really addressed. So at the moment, the gold standard that GPs and psychiatrists have for uh, diagnosing and monitoring depression is basically two things. They have their own observation skills, which could be better or worse, depending on you as a clinician um, and your expertise. And you also have questionnaires. Those are kind of the two things that you have as a clinician. Unfortunately, there isn't really widely available anything, you know, anything like a blood test or a blood pressure cuff or a thermometer for depression in some way. Um, so really you just have questions. And to give you uh, a concrete example, the typical questionnaire everybody uses is called the, the patient health questionnaire. So PHQ, and then there's a, a number at the end, which indicates the number of questions. So it's in the PHQ nine. And these nine questions, each one um, aims to target a symptom of depression. And it's, you need to rate it as a patient on a scale of one to four. And it basically goes, um, so I'm the clinician, you're the patient. Uh, if I suspect you have depression, I'll start asking you, okay, you know, could you rate for me in the past two weeks on a scale of one to four, how often did you feel sad? And so the patient says one, one to four. Um, and you kind of go through that and it's, there's um, elements of sadness, elements of outright depression, um, your appetite, your sleep patterns, different things. Um, and then at the end, you get a score based on that number. Now, unfortunately, as you can kind of guess from what I just asked you, um, these questions have been found to be not just very subjective. It is up to you as a patient to decide how, how you rate from one to four. They're also quite leading. Like I'm assessing you for whether you're sad. I'm asking you, are you sad? I'm assessing you for whether you're depressed. I'm asking you, are you depressed? Um, and so actually it's been found that clinicians, uh, not clinicians, patients can incredibly easily manipulate these questions. So if I want medication, I will basically know what to answer. If I want to show that I'm fine, I'll know what to answer. The worst question is one that aims at suicidality and basically asks you outright, do you feel like hurting yourself or ending things? Now, most patients have this intrinsic fear when they're faced with that question is, oh my God, A, am I going to look crazy if I say yes? B, what does it mean if I say yes? Am I going to be institutionalized? Is this going to have an impact on myself and my family? Um, and then the CDE, there's so many other questions and fears you have, you automatically say no to that question or like rank it really, really low. And so as a result, actually, it takes an astounding 10 to 13 years to diagnose someone properly with depression and to also find the right treatment for that person. So you can imagine like 10 years is a long time. And throughout that time, people try different medications. And unfortunately, it really is a trial and error process. So you go to the GP, you do the questionnaire. Most of the time, you'll be flagged as not having anything. If you are flagged as having depression, they'll just randomly put you on an antidepressant, which isn't very well understood. It's not matched to you as an individual. And you can't actually monitor how well it's doing to help you. Uh, compounding all of that, antidepressants in particular take six to eight weeks to actually start to have an effect. So if I start taking as a patient the antidepressant, for the six to eight weeks, I won't know if there's an effect because I won't feel it. And what's more, some of these, depending on the patient, may actually make you feel worse. So I may actually get even more suicidal in those six weeks and nobody's monitoring me. Nobody has a way to see what's happening. 
And so it's really on the family or myself to be able to see and to intervene, which is very hard to do. So it's a very, very problematic, broken system. You can't point at the clinicians or anyone to say, hey, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, a failing on their part because it's not. That's all they have to hand. Um, it is very much a broken system. And so that kind of was also the real intrinsic motivation of why we built Themia. Um, so the idea of Themia to clarify to, to listeners as well is we essentially monitor patients and assess them before, during, and after each appointment through specially designed video games. And these games aim to elicit data from three different types of streams. So we switch on your microphone, your camera, and we also observe you during the game, like your behavior. So we're gathering elements of your speech, elements of kind of your facial micro expressions, movements, twitching, eye movements, and then finally your behavior in the game in terms of reactions. And this allows us to kind of pull out more objective um, measures of different cognitive aspects that are affected in depression. So we're trying to pinpoint the same things that the PHQ-9 is doing, but in a much more objective way, in a way that the patient can't manipulate, and in a way that they don't feel cornered or pressured or scared to admit, let's say, suicidality. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a very, very kind of convoluted, problematic, like so many, so many highs and lows of the system in general. And unfortunately it hasn't changed. Like these questionnaires have been around for literally a century. It, it's, it's astounding. It really is astounding. It's like, why have, has this not changed? Um, and yeah, I guess that's kind of like, for me, I, I, I guess you can kind of hear it in my voice or in how I'm responding to this. It really strikes a, a chord with me personally, because, um, while I was a researcher doing all, you know, my own research on language, I, I didn't really ever intend to to start my own company. Um, I, I kind of witnessed my best friend go through this whole system. And she was an academic while, while I was an academic. Um, and I kind of, she started to show signs of depression. And none of us really thought anything of it because it's so common. And I was like, oh, well, okay, she'll, she'll go see her GP. She'll see a psychiatrist. She'll be fine. Um, only unfortunately, she wasn't. And so she saw a GP. Then she went privately to see a psychiatrist. And her psychiatrist asked her the same questions. And my friend, being an academic, being bright-minded, bringing everything she was, um, she didn't, you know, express to the full extent just how bad her condition was. And then just two days later, she ended up trying to take her own life. And when that happened, we were meant to be meeting that day and she didn't show up. And so I went to her house to find her and I, I found her. And... Thankfully, I found her before it was too late, but it meant that, you know, had I not been there, it, you know, it would not have ended as well. Um, and it was very, as you can imagine, very traumatic to, to experience as a, as a best friend. But really what, what the surprising thing was, was that, you know, her psychiatrist literally saw her two days before and the, the system failed, essentially. And that's true of so many other people. It's, it really is a broken system in so many ways. 